There's been a credible accusation that President Biden accepted a bribe. But do bribes hurt society that much? Welcome to The Conquering Truth. I'm Dan Horn. I'm Jonathan Seitz. I'm Charles Churchill. And I'm Joshua Horn. It was recently disclosed that the FBI had received a report from a confidential human source, as they say, that President Biden and Hunter, his son, each received $5 million for, uh, from Burisma to get a prosecutor fired in Ukraine. And you know, now we're sending tens of billions of dollars over to Ukraine. And if the first is true, that really raises questions about the second, You know what's actually going on there. But you see bribery in other countries – and like it's widely accepted in Ukraine. I've been to Nigeria. It's widely accepted in Nigeria. It's it's expected. And bribery is very much associated with countries that are poor. So how is it that bribery causes poverty? Well, you have to start with the you know, sort of a central biblical definition of bri- bribery or description of bribery is that bribery perverts judgment. The bribery changes the way that you evaluate a situation. It's it's affecting you. It's incentivizing you. It's causing you to think about a situation in a way that you wouldn't otherwise think about that situation. And and it's not just like it's it, it's not just a small thing that it could that your judgment's changing in that situation. It's a now all of a sudden I'm not thinking about it according to the right principles. I'm thinking about it according to the money or whatever money substitute is serving as the bribe there. And when you start that, when you're when your judgment's perverted, and it's across the board. I mean, it can be in in small situations, or it could be in the kinds of situations where you think about judgment in the civil justice system. You know, when it's across the board that your judgment's perverted like that, then all of a sudden you don't have a society that's based on a rule of law. You don't have a society that's based on rationality. You've got a society that's able to be controlled by whoever has the means to control the seats of power. And all of a sudden people, instead of trying to accomplish what they should be, there's there's bias put into the decision because they want to accomplish it for the person who who is most likely to give the money. And we can look at it at big situations like the, the Burisma, potential Burisma bribe, and look at that and go, yeah, yeah, we filed the prosecutor. He threatened Ukraine. He did all these things. And this has really big impacts. But it's on small things too. You know, you go into a restaurant and you say, I'll, I'll give this person $100 so that I get a good table. Well, you've perverted incentives for that person. So instead of going – well, I should deal with the people as they come in and the order that they come in, and I should sit out the table. All of a sudden, you're promoting that person so he goes in first and you affect everybody else. Well, that hurts the restaurant. That hurts all kinds of other things. And yet, this these are kind of the low-level bribes that we accept and think that this is kind of normal. But even that's a perversion of judgment, and even that has a cost on the society. There's a part of it where when you think about a bribe, obviously it's something that you, something that you want and it's something that perverts judgment. But when Scripture uses the term, it doesn't. It doesn't always come in as someone is paying you to do this. It uses the term. The word for that it uses for it is the word for gift. And there's this part of it where that there's an aspect of it where there's a there's a bit of deception in the offer, so that the person who's giving it to you is they're act they're asking you to act as if all you're being done is given a gift, but the being given the gift is what's going to pervert your judgment. 
And so it's there's deception on the per- part of the person giving it. There's self-deception in the sense of you're pretending like what they're giving you isn't really going to pervert your judgment. And so there's this encouragement to think, to even to normalize the process. You even kind of have to think about the whole thing in a way that you shouldn't do it. So there's this aspect of lying to yourself to kind of create this environment that allows this to be done. Right, because we have, you know, in English, bribe is a different word than gift, shockingly. Right. It's a different word and with, with a different meaning where bribe is the negative and gift is the positive. But in the Hebrew, with the, and they, they only have one word. And it's not an accident that the vocabulary is limited and that, you, and, and that you know, the word has this breadth of meaning where you have these verses that are like God hates gifts. I mean, that's, and that's what it literally says. God hates gifts. And, right. it's, and, you know, does that mean that it's always wrong to give something to someone? No. But it does mean that, that, you know, there should be some sort of red flag with the gift or a yellow flag, perhaps. That is this a wicked gift or is this a righteous gift? And I think Jesus actually talks about this in a very specific situation. He says, when you go to give a feast, don't invite people that will invite you back. Instead of invite those who, you know, boy, the widow and the orphan who cannot invite you back. And he's saying that invitation to a feast is that that's borderline bribe, right? Right. I've invited you into my house for dinner. Why haven't you invited me back yet? As opposed to if you invite somebody off the street that can't, that clearly can't afford, that's not. And it's not wrong to give that gift to that person who couldn't be afford to throw a feast. It's not wrong to invite them to come, but it's almost... When you do it to other people, we should recognize there's even a little element of bribery in that where you go, I put this obligation on them because I've invited them you know, to come and eat my food. So they should invite me to eat their food. And if you look at it from that, I mean, like in the business world, most companies have policies that are very strict about gifts. I mean, and it can be, I mean, you know, I think the la- I know of multiple companies where the line as a couple years ago was $50. You know, that you cannot accept anything that has a monetary value of greater than $50. You're just, I mean, and so when we think about it in the sense of, like you said, in our, our culture, our word for bribing gift is different. But in policy and practice, we understand that gifts are bribes. And so, like, they're going, if you work for me, you cannot accept this because if it's over $50, that's why they're doing it. And and they go, There's why would they give you something worth more than $50 in this place of business if they weren't trying to affect your judgment? And it doesn't even have to be that big. We know a man who was in medical sales who was giving away to, to us a, a whole bunch of things like pins and keychains and things because the law had recently changed that he was not allowed to give away small little trinkets like that, a pin with his... A pharmaceutical written on the side of it. He wasn't allowed to give those things to doctors and hospital administrators because studies have been done and shown that even minor things like that unduly influenced those doctors right, to... when they're going to write that prescription, they see the name of the drug. To oh, overprescribe yeah, that, that drug. Exactly. Right. And so, so the federal law says, hey, you know, we recognize this makes a difference. So you can't even give something that's almost worthless in that situation because it's going to influence judgment. Right. And, you know, and this is something that a lot of people think about a lot in December when they're telling their kids, you're not going to get your Christmas presents unless you do this, unless you're good this month. And, you know, they're using the gift. It's a free gift as a bribe. But on the other hand, you know, at the same time at Christmas time, you know, a lot of people give, give you know, a gift certificate or something to 
their postal carrier, and they're not expecting that this will have this great change in service from their postal carrier. So that could be a legitimate gift. At least I assume they don't. I suspect yeah. if I don't give him one, more of my mail will go missing. So okay, so that, that, that is a bribe. It's, it's, it's extortion is yeah. the way I like to think of it. That, that's a sense of bribe. Don't steal my mail. Here's a bribe. Yes. But I do think, you know, and, and so we need to be thinking about it and asking ourselves the question, why are we doing it? Because if we, you know, if you're afraid your mail will go missing, then maybe it is a bribe. But I think a lot of people just do it. They go, hey, the guy stopped at my house. And I'm for, kidding. I know. <laughs> if you're actually thinking that your mail might be stolen, then all of a sudden it has become a bribe. But if you're just thinking about, hey, this guy has stopped by my house, you know, 300 times over the last year to give me a piece of mail, then, you know, hey, I'll give him a gift card so he can go out to dinner with his wife. What's the big deal? Right. I mean, there's a big difference between those two where you're not actually trying to affect behavior. But even as Jesus uses the example of inviting to the feast, you still have to be really careful because we can lie to ourselves and we can say, I'm not trying to influence behavior. But you can give gifts without the intention of influencing behavior. And, I mean, it is possible. And that mailman needs to look at it and and he doesn't know what your heart is. He does not know if you're necessarily trying to influence his behavior with something like that. But he needs to say, hey, if I accept that, is this going to change how I go about my route? Is this going to unduly influence me? Can I honestly say no? Right. Um, you know, so just recognize when you give a gift to somebody, you are putting them in a in a position where they can't see your heart. They don't know the intents of it. They can see their own heart. They may not know exactly the intents of that because the heart is very deceptive. So it, it's an awkward situation. We were going to Nigeria once with someone and we were going through the airport and they, uh, you know, they're, they pull off this guy's bag to search it. And then they're like, you know, they pull out like this bottle of hand sanitizer that he had and they're like trying and like, you know, the accent's strong or whatever. And the, and the guy's thinking like, he's saying like, you know, the hand sanitizer is not allowed. So he's like, okay, just take it, just take it. And then the guy closes up the bag and says, here you go, you're done. He didn't search the bag because he accepted He didn't that. search any of our bags right. either. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, you're all good to go because that hand sanitizer was, he thought it was being confiscated. He was actually paying a bribe. The hand sanitizer was the bribe. Now your luggage can go through. And it's something that, you know, he didn't think anything of it, but it was taken as a bribe. Because, I mean, it was a big jar of hand sanitizer and you can actually distill it and get the alcohol out of it. So he basically gave him a bottle of alcohol <laughs> was what the equivalent was. And I knew what was going on, but I couldn't <laughs> stop him in time. <laughs> But then he's like, for the rest of us, okay, everybody can go. And they were supposed to ser be searching luggage to make sure there weren't any bombs going on the plane. And, and so all them. our bombs got on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we've been talking about bribery. It's, it's important because the Bible does say a lot about it. Let's look at a couple of, of biblical passages. And, and a really key one is early on in the giving of the law, Exodus 23, verses 6 to 8. You shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not justify the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. It's an interesting passage because it, it talks about bribes. It specifically says, it says some things about them. It blinds the discerning, perverts the words of righteousness. But look at the other things that it's sort of lumped in with. Don't kill the innocent and righteous. So in one breath, don't kill the innocent and righteous, and, and don't take bribes too. So it's not considered in the, the law of God. It's not a minor thing. Right. God says that he's going to 
judge Israel in Isaiah 1 because they pervert the judgment of the poor, right? I mean, this is why Israel, the northern kingdom, gets destroyed, and then later Judah, is because they pervert the judgment of the poor. I mean, God judges the nation for it, and he's putting bribery in that same, that same category. And I think we don't see it that seriously. And I think part of the reason we don't see it that seriously is because we don't see the poverty that it causes. We don't see the effects of it because, you know, it's breaking down now. But it used to be there were decent protections in the United States compared to other countries to protect against giving bribes. And because of those protections, we've prospered, but we don't realize that as those protections break down, how much poverty that will increase. I mean, we, we talked about this. Uh, the last time I remember that we talked about bribery in any significant amount was there was we did an episode on the stimulus checks. And one of the things we talked about in there was that the stimulus checks were bribes and that they were bribes from the government to basically mollify people for the way that they had treated them during the COVID lockdowns. And one of the ways that caused you to pervert judgment is because they stole the money. You know what I mean? They, they took the money from – I mean the money – inflated the currency. You inflate the currency. You steal from those who've saved. You steal from those – you know, so basically those who have been saving their money, who've been putting their money, you know, setting their money aside, you stole from them. The, the government stole from them, and then they gave that to you. And there's a part of it where both the sense of that you pervert your judgment about what they did with the coronavirus, but it also perverts your judgment regarding to the theft of the government because you go, well, I'm thankful. I'm glad I got this money. I'm I'm – Really, really glad I got this money. And I know in that episode, I mean, I talked about the fact that I really didn't think I should take the money. And it took me a lot longer than I wanted to. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it took me a lot longer than I want to admit. So, like, that, we got a $6,000 check that came. I never cashed that one. That was easy because I just didn't even deposit it. But they deposited $14,000 in my account. That was in my account. It was I had it. I already had it. That was really hard to let go of. And I mean, like, I'm kind of embarrassed by how hard it was to let go of. And so, I mean, but it was it was really, really difficult to say. It was one thing to look at it and go, this is wrong. This is a bribe. And it was another thing to write a check for $14,000 and put it in the mail. And this is the, the, the effect that it has. I mean, the power that it has is because now you – you have the money, and you want the money, and you're glad to have it. And so, I mean, it's just – I mean, we just really have to understand what this does to us and how powerful it is. Or look at what happened during the election where Biden makes a promise about forgiving student loan debt and then gets elected on that, whether or not he thought that there was any way that that could actually pass. I mean, you, it's a pretty catastrophic failure so far, the way he's, he's tried to make that go into law. But that's a really clear case of, of looking at specific segments of the society who have student loans and then saying, hey, if you elect me, I'm going to make that go away. And you time it right so that you know the courts don't reverse it. People haven't thought through enough so that they start to say, wait a second, what you're doing is getting people who, who you know have paid off their student loans or who went, went into went a college. trade and, and just earned money that way. You're making the poor pay for the rich. But – you know, that that he also knew that the timing of it, that it wouldn't be kicked out until way after the election. And we just need to recognize that in our society, we don't have that much low-level bribery, but we have a lot of high-level bribery. There's a reason why income tax only applies to like 49% of the people. I mean, that's a bribe. That's saying that instead of it being, you know, 10% or the biblical way that says everybody contributes. Instead, what we do is we bribe a certain percentage of the population for votes, and then we say the other people just have to pay it. Well, that's perverting judgment. 
I mean, and when you look at this part of this verse here, what it says at the top is, "You shall not pervert the judgment of the poor in his dispute." With the in, with the uh, the college thing, you've got people who took money from the government to go to college, and they say, "What I got wasn't worth it." Who should they be upset with? People who advise them to go to college, the college itself. I mean, and not like that that the college necessarily swindled them, but their anger, their dispute should be with the reasoning that says college is worthwhile, the reasoning that says it's worth that much money, the reasoning that said that these particular electives and these classes that they took were worth taking. Or the reasoning that said, I'd rather get drunk for four years and work. Right. Because you can't dismiss the part of the reasoning was, right. which this is easier than working. And so in the end, what's happened is, is the people that we they should have a dispute with, you have perverted the judgment of the poor in those cases. And so understand, I mean, this isn't independent from the bribe. This isn't independent at all. In the end, the bribe can be used to even do the very thing at the top of the verse that you think maybe isn't related at all, but it frequently is. The poor can be affected by much smaller amounts of money than someone who's wealthy can be. And there's a part of it where it's very easy. In America, the disparity between people is not as broad as it is between in other countries. But even in America, there, I mean, there have been times in my life, I remember my wife and I talk about it when, you know, we'd go through the couch cushions to get enough money to go to Taco Bell. You know what I mean? It was like there were times where you had almost no extra money and you find $2, which now would, my, you know, I wouldn't be able to eat and my wife would get to eat at Taco Bell. But we could scrape together enough money to go and buy something there. Well, someone could give me a very small amount of money and influence my, my attitude towards them. You gave me $10, I would be like, that's fantastic, you know. And so there's this part of it where it's really easy to affect the poor's judgment. It's really easy to walk around with money and do something that causes huge problems for people. And this is everything from panhandling to all sorts of things where people give gifts to people that really cause a problem and changes the way they think about all sorts of things, whether they should work tomorrow, whether they, you know I mean, whether they should go and get drunk. These are really, really easy things to pervert someone's judgment about. And it's interesting, it also says and perverts the words of the righteous. Because it's not just blinds the discerning, right? It does, it's not just that it causes you to think about things wrongly. It actually changes your words. And people talk about things in a different way when there's bribes. And they start to talk about things that should be unacceptable and they become acceptable. And their words actually change. And they... You know, they start to to say, you know, this is a stimulus check rather than this is stealing from one group and giving it to another group. And because we want the bribe, we go, it's a stimulus check. When anybody that looks at it understands what's happening, right? I mean, they're printing money to do it. It's clearly sin. It's clearly wrong. God says that it's an abomination, false weights and measure. And yet, instead, we say, but this is stimulating the economy. And these stories get told and they get spoken of. And they become accepted truth when it's really that the bribe is causing you to say things and to t- speak falsehoods and pretend like they're true. Right. You normally would have argued against that being stimulus. You normally would have. And, and now all of a sudden you're, oh, and so, well. <laughs> and so when Isaiah says, you know, woe to those who call evil good and good evil and bitter sweet and sweet for bitter, we should understand this is what a bribe does is it starts to – you go – no, I thought I didn't like this, but now that I, you know, that somebody gave me a case of it, it's not that bad. And, you know, it's those kind of things where, you know, that's that's why they give the pens, you know, to at the doctor's offices. That's why they give the samples. It's it's to try to get somebody to say something good about something that they wouldn't necessarily have said something good about otherwise. 
And so it's not just it's not just perverting their judgment and changing their discernment. It's also causing them to push forward a narrative that that isn't what they should be pushing forward. I mean, how many pastors have you know they've been in the church? The church takes out a loan for the building, and the church you know, and now they're in debt. And there's somebody in the church who's who's giving you know who's helping and dealing with that. And they know that if they say something, they'll offend that person, and that person will leave. And so they pervert their you know the words that they would normally say from the pulpit, the things that they would normally speak can now be influenced in a way because they put themselves in a position where they need that gift, where they need that in a different way, and their dependence is totally altered. I mean, though, it's very easy for those sort of things to happen. And they start to go, oh, yeah, what they did wasn't that bad. You know, the person who's giving the money, right, to the church, he may not even realize it. He may just be giving the money because the church needs money, it's right. his tithe or whatever, or he might just want to help out with the building. But it doesn't mean that the person receiving it, that their judgment isn't perverted. I mean, I know of a case in that there was this church where the richest man in town was one of the members of the church. And the church was really having trouble making their budget. They were about to shut down. They didn't have a mortgage, but they were about to shut down. And so he gets caught sleeping with the church secretary. He's a deacon. The rich man. The rich man. Okay. And so the church goes, well, we'll put the church secretary out because obviously – She's not giving that much money. But we might have to shut down the church if the rich man is put out, so we won't put the rich man out. Now, I know the pastor at the time, and the pastor said the rich man wasn't actually giving any money. But still, the other people in the church didn't know that, and so they wouldn't put him out. And so he wasn't even doing the bribe, but just the appearance that that bribe was there was enough to pervert the judgment. If that makes sense. And so so it wasn't even the giving of the gift because it wasn't given. But we just have to recognize that when we're in that situation that that we can think, oh, yeah, that person giving it meant something. And they may not mean anything at all. They may not even be giving. You have an obligation to, put, to not put yourself into a position where you are more susceptible to those sort of things. I mean, there can be times in your life where you're in that situation and there's nothing you could do about it. But there's many times where we make decisions that put us in a place that causes us to be able to be influenced. And this is something that we – I mean, you started this off by talking about President Biden. I mean, it's one of these things where we've always – we used to know this about leaders, right? If they had had moral problems, any of these things that they had – I mean, foreign governments talk about – what are the problems of other people that we can exploit so we can get them to be, you know, so that you can flip them and get them to work for you? Do they have a problem with gambling? Do they have a problem with adult, you know? I mean, and so there's this part of it where this is one of the reasons why leaders and, and leaders in particular are expected to be held to a higher standard because they're in a, such a position that their words can be perverted, that their decisions can be perverted, and that their decisions matter more than someone who has no authority at all. And their job is to persuade. And so, those words can be perverted just enough so that they're persuading people for a different position because it's shifted a little bit. And we should just recognize, I mean, how many people go into politics now and end up poorer when they leave than when they started? Nobody does. Nancy Pelosi was not wealthy when she started. Now she has, what, $150 million? Biden was not wealthy when he started. Now he has a bunch of money. Now, somebody like Trump, when he ran in 2016, he actually was running on the platform, I can't be bribed. Right. But now we've just kind of looked and said those bribes don't matter because we look at our public officials and a lot of them get very wealthy in public service, which they're not serving the public. They're receiving bribes. And some of it is like with Hillary Clinton and Tyson Foods where her bribe was, 
I'll give you a stock tip. I'll make sure you make money on this stock. And we as a nation need to be taking bribery far more seriously. And one of the signs of bribery is somebody that shouldn't be making any money is getting piles of money. That's a real sign that they're accepting bribes. And, you know, we should be tracking that down and saying, wait a second, how is this happening? There was a part of what you were saying that people in authority, their job is to persuade. And I was going to say, I mean, you know, that your expectation of a leader should be that when they speak to you, that they're speaking to you to persuade you to do something that would be in, in the best interest of the nation and the best in your best interest. But I couldn't even say it with a straight face because there's this part of it where do you – I mean, do we have an expectation that when we hear a politician speaks that they are speaking for the good of the people, that they really are th- – do we have – do you know of a politician? You mean the good of their reelection? <laughs> right. Because, and part of it is it perverts – discernment because they think that it is for the good of the people because they'll get reelected. Right. And they think that they're And we've actually moved because you'll hear the them nation. go, I can't do any good if I don't get reelected. You know what I mean? I can't. And you, you could do good during your tenure. You could do good during this term. You could you do could, the right thing. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, as opposed to everybody else that you're arguing doesn't do the good thing and just gets reelected. I mean, so there is this fundamental problem that we've swallowed the idea that this, that this can't be avoided. And again, we swallow it at a high level, and I think a lot of us would be very shocked if the local police officer, when he came and you were, and he was going to write you a ticket that was going to cost your insurance to go up by a thousand dollars, if you thought you could slip a hundred dollar bill to him, and and he'd let it go away because most people go, yeah, that wouldn't happen. So it's like we've eliminated low level bribing. We only accept big bribes as a nation and say, well, this is just the way it is. The stimulus checks, you know the you know the things that the influence peddling in Washington. It was very interesting. You know, a few days ago, I was watching an interview with Tucker Carlson. He was interviewing Devin Archer, who is you know they're they're talking about how the system worked, how um, you know yeah Joe Biden wasn't doing anything. He was just showing Hunter Biden was just proving he had access to Joe Biden. And they both, you know, Hunter, or excuse me, uh, 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 Tucker Carlson, he like starts laughing and, and Devin Archer starts laughing with him. And he's like, we've both been in this, this you know, Washington, D.C. for decades. We know how this works. The only product in Washington, D.C. is access. So when you say all he did was show up on the phone call, what more could he have done? Absolutely nothing because it's all about access. And so we, we don't recognize things as bribes that are bribes. We don't even see them because that idea that you can show that they give you money and you call up Joe Biden and we go, well, all he did was talk to him on the phone. He didn't talk to him about business. No, what he did was show that he could bring the vice president of the United States on the phone. And that was more than because that means that he can influence policy. That means that he can cause – you know, uh, an application to rise to the top of the pile. He can cause all kinds of things. And like the people that in D.C., they understand how the bribing system works. But I think a lot of the people outside go, well, so what? I can call Joshua, big deal. Who's going to give me money for that? Well, that's because the product in North Carolina is not access. The product in D.C. is access. And you bribe for access. And they understand that. I mean, and this they is, all understand that. That's why Devin Archer like breaks up laughing too, because Tucker Carlson's like, you said that with a straight face, but we know that's, 
That's all the product. <laughs> right. And like, and this is the thing, like we talk about it, like in business where they'll say there's a $50 limit on this. There are other places where if you try to get a meeting with someone and someone gives someone, someone will be like, you absolutely cannot give, I, you cannot put me on the phone with someone unless we get something for it. And they know that because they guard it. Like you said, right. from their point of view, that is the currency of the realm. And so like outside of it, we look at it and we just fundamentally don't understand. And part of it is because, again, our judgment has even been perverted. We, we have not – we've gotten to the point where we don't even recognize what's being done. And it perverts the, the words of the righteous so that they just go, well, of course this is what you do. This is – they didn't give me money. They just gave money to the campaign because I'm, I'm trying to get the – to, to you know, they know that they like my positions. They know what I'll vote for on their thing. So they're giving money to my campaign. And we don't go, wait a second, this will pervert their judgment. We go, that's not bribery. But well, the Bible would say that's more bribery. And, you know, we can be thankful that it's a lot different in the U.S. than in other countries, you know, despite our problems. You know, because Nigeria is a much poorer country than the United States, but the politicians there make, you know, the high top politicians are making a lot of money in bribes. You know, you know, even though they're a much poorer country, I mean, they'd be from the European and U.S. oil companies largely, right? Just right. to make sure we know who's paying the bribes, <laughs> right? Because you know, because we also have the idea that well, it's a corrupt country. How else are you going to do stuff? You have to pay bribes if you're over there. If you're here, bribing is illegal there. You know, you got to do what you have to do. You know, but they're, you know, their politicians are making a, a ton of money, you know, and from a poor country. The previous administration, good luck, Jonathan, his secretary of energy, she, they proved that she stole 2.5 billion U.S. dollars. And she agreed, they agreed not to charge her if she paid back 1.7 billion U.S. dollars. So just to give you the scope, that's, that's more money than any U.S. politician is able to steal of a country that has a fraction of the U.S. revenue. And so, like you're saying, it's just on a whole different scale, and it's worthwhile to recognize what the scale's like. She was allowed to keep and spend $800 million. Right. She just had to return $1.7 billion. And then you look at the, you know, the big accusation in the U.S. You know, for, the, for the everyday politician is you know, campaign finance, who's funding him. And you know, I'm sure there are corruption that goes on with that. But there's a lot of restriction also on campaign finance where for to get the influence, you can't just write him a million dollar check. You can't just the, the big business can't just give him money and say, here's some money. Do what you want to. He can't even give that to his campaign to only spend on, you know, on on for on his campaign election. He has to give it to this other group where they can't communicate and. You know, there's some ways to bypass that. But in the end, you you know, there are a lot of loopholes you have to jump through. And where people are violating it is relatively small compared to just send me a million dollars. You know, so that is a, a blessing that even that we have this system in place and we have this culture historically that limits the amount of, of that that's going on. But what you see in Nigeria as a counterpoint is where you've got a total breakdown where the corruption goes all the way through the society. And the Bible talks about that scenario. Look at Isaiah. You talked about Isaiah 1. Look at what it says specifically, Isaiah one twenty three. Your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loves bribes and follows after rewards. They do not defend the fatherless, nor does the cause of the widow come before them. So you see kind of the trickle-down effect here that, that this has is your princes at the top, they're all rebellious. Everybody like, you know, they're friends of thieves. Everyone loves bribes, 
And then the ultimate consequence here is that widows and orphans get hurt because of things that start at the top and then affect the entire culture. And I think it's important to recognize just, you know, when it's, when it's the government, how much the corruption affects everybody in much more important ways than individual and how much we've shifted. Right when Truman left the presidency, people were wondering how he would eat. And that's not – in many presidents, that was true. Right. Truman was just the one that then the government decided we should give him a pension afterwards. That's Truman in what was that, 52. Is That's what he leaves office with. Obama, when he left office, like in the first year, he earned like $150 million. Right. I mean, we as a nation are breaking down. It's important for us to see that because there is a huge cost. And you can look at Nigeria where it's already broken down, but we shouldn't go. That doesn't have anything to do with us. We should go. We're running that path really quick because we look at how far we've come in 70 years because we've come a long way. And the reason why it happens has such an effect when the government does it is literally because their name is appropriate. They are meant to to govern or to regulate. They're to limit. They're, they're, the purpose of the government is to limit evil. Just, you know, They're to punish evil and they're to praise those who do good. And so when the government, which its job is to limit evil, does evil, it changes the equation. And everybody looks at it and goes, this is acceptable. When they praise those who do evil, people go, this is what you know, I mean, and so there's this part of it where I think we even just forget God has designed it so that we we should expect our leaders to follow the law. We should expect more of our leaders. But at this point, what we've done is we've expected almost nothing of them. And so that has, like you said, right now, it's at the point where if we'd be really shocked if a police officer looked at us and gave us the indication that paying him money would would make it go away. We would be just really shocked by that to come and you know to come into contact with that. We should expect that to change. We should expect that to change in the next, especially, I mean, with it being, if what is being said about President Biden is true, it was an incredibly crass, I mean, like, incredibly crass sort of transaction that was done. It was so open and so just, I mean, you know what I mean? Holding out the well, hand. 21 million, yeah. Right. Just, but I mean, it was, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it's crass even by Washington standards. And so, and that's saying a lot. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, the Democrats, but we should be careful to not to, you know, just jump on a bandwagon and ignore Republicans. And, you know, because and like a little things, too, like there was like when Trump was in office, he had the Trump Hotel in Washington and all, you know, a bunch of foreign diplomats mm-hmm. would always stay at the Trump Hotel. Now, you know, I'm, I don't you know, I'm not going to say that certain rules should be put in place, but we should look at it and say, realistically, that is affecting him when he knows that they're staying at the Trump Hotel, especially Trump being who he is, that that's something that affects him. And it's something that we shouldn't just say, well, obviously, that means nothing. You know, he's a Republican. And, you know, you you look at some of the Supreme Court justice stuff, and you know, I think it's definitely overblown, but we should be concerned if Supreme Court justices are living well above their salary by people giving them stuff. And we sh- shouldn't pretend like, well, you know, they're, they're a good guy, so it won't affect them. It's, the Bible says it blinds the eyes of the wise. This is something that we should take seriously. doesn't mean that we should impeach them. But it doesn't mean that we should say, this is not a good look. You should not be, you know, you make X amount of dollars and you're living a lifestyle where you're making, as if you're making far above that. And it's complicated because, right, their wife can get a job. I mean, that this happens frequently in politics is that 
you don't bribe the politician. You give their wife a job that they pay a lot more than they, you know, that she would never get that job based on her own merit. She gets that job. I mean, the classic example is Eleanor Roosevelt. She was sitting on boards when she knew nothing. I mean, she makes Hunter Biden look like an expert in business. And Eleanor Roosevelt was on all these boards making a million dollars a year in the 40s, which was a lot of money. And all it was was access. All it was was bribes. But we close our eyes to those things, and these things are now acceptable in Washington, and all these politicians walk away very rich. And it will impoverish the nation because they, they have the responsibility given to them by God to, to administer justice. They have the responsibility to say this is just punishment for doing this. And a lot of the people, I think, will have trouble with, with, with prosecuting, you know, say these things are all true, which they have not been proven, but say these are, things are all true about President Joe Biden. There'll be a lot of people that have trouble prosecuting him because they'll go, wait, I'm not that far off. Maybe, maybe you know, an order of magnitude, maybe two orders of magnitude. Maybe I only got 20,000 instead of 21 million. But... I did the same thing. I did the same thing. And is that going to pervert their judgment? So when the government does it, it ends up really causing a greater perversion than when just, you know, when the guy down the street says, I'll only do this if you do that. And I think it's hard for Americans to to recognize just how widespread bribery has been in the history. Because, for instance, you know, until Theodore Roosevelt was president, the Everything, all the political positions were appointed by the president. So basically the whole federal government was fired except for for generals in the army and Navy captains. Everybody else was fired and the president reappointed them all. And the plum positions were the custom officers. Why were those the plum positions? Why did everybody want to be a post off, postmaster general? Well, these were ways to get bribes. These were ways, they were very lucrative positions. And some of it was structured that way to reduce the bribery that they paid. You know, they got a percentage. But we should just recognize that that some of the things that were fought against it as a nation we've kind of turned away from, we're now turning back towards them. And historically, bribes have created huge amounts of poverty in the world. It's important to recognize just how bribes you know, because they pervert judgment, it means it doesn't just pervert, pervert the judgment of the person who receives a bribe. It perverts the judgment of everybody that's going to do business, that's going to do anything because they go, do I have to give this person money? Like in Nigeria, if you want to go from drive a truck from like Legos to Joss, there will probably be 50 to 100 places where you will be stopped by police and they will be, you will be expected to give a bribe. And usually they don't bother cars because they can get a lot more money of the trucks because the trucks are used to giving them money. So they stop the trucks. They force all the trucks to give them money, but a lot of times they wave the cars by. A white guy driving through, not so much. And so then you have to deal with that, and you have to fight with them, and you have to argue with them. And they they don't care. They have to be out there. It doesn't matter if they kill a day for you. Why does that matter? That doesn't affect them. And let's get specific. I mean, our policy has been not to pay the bribes. Yeah, we never pay the bribes. And I mean, and so, and that, like you said, that ends up, there's a cost to not doing that. Giving your reasons for why not to pay those bribes, because the text specifically says, don't accept a bribe. And in this case, you know, you could say, hey, you're being forced to do it. The amount of the bribe is pennies in U.S. dollars. 
I know, and I know because that one of the times you were in Nigeria, somebody was at the evening service and asked, "Well, why doesn't Dan pay the bribes?" And it's it's an interesting reason because the church has the responsibility to declare what justice is, and the church has Christians have no right to pervert justice. You know, Micah six eight says, "Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God." Causing somebody else to not do justly is a serious sin against them. Because that's the duty of man, is to do justly. And if you're perverting somebody else's sense of justice, you have sinned greatly against them. So it seems easy to pay. You know, in Nigeria, a lot of times the bribe is $5, right? You can get out of most things with $5. Things that, you know, we're trying to get a shipping container through right now, and it's going to cost us $3,000, probably $4,000 to get the shipping container out. We probably over and above. Over and above. And we probably could have done it all for $100. And that's cost because you say we don't want to pervert justice. But other people have perverted justice, so they treat us unjustly because we're not willing to pervert justice. And there's this part of it where you look at the cost and you go, it feels there are times where you go, it's just 50 bucks. It's just $100. You, you just go, why don't we just pay? I mean, you want to go, why don't we just pay the bribe? And and one reason is because for, pe- for the Nigerians, it's not $5. Right. You know, the Nigerians, I mean, maybe, you know, the amount in Naira would be less for them, but it's a much greater financial burden for them. So the fact that, you know, we, you know, our currency is so much more valuable than theirs or, you know, cost of goods and services is so much cheaper there. It's, it's a much bigger thing on them. And by perpetuating the system, you're, and, you're oppressing them. Right. And it's real oppression, right? And, and through this, we've met the head of customs. We've had the, met the head of the Treasury for import-export duties, right? I mean, in, you are really saying there's a difference. In Christianity, Christians are just. We have no desire to pervert and to cause injustice. And it does put you before kings, literally. They're talking about when I go in November of having me sit before like the second in command of customs and in, in treasury and talk to them about the situation and how will we get through a shipping container if we send another one. And so you do the right thing, and it's unjust, and we've been treated unjustly, but God's just. He figures it out. He sorts it all out. He fixes it. I mean, we don't need to go, oh, no, it's unjust. It's so unfair. We've had to spend $4,000 that we could have done real helpful things with. But instead, God said, this is what you'll spend it on, and I'll fix it. I'll, I'll work it out. And when you do choose to do that, it changes the way you pray. It cha- I mean, I just I mean, like, because I remember, like, as we're praying on Wednesday night, we're going, why can't we get the shipping? You know, the shipping container's full of, like, we're trying to send over used clothes so we can have wit- – there are widows who need work to do so they can, they can actually provide for their family. So we're trying to send over used clothing so they can sell the used clothing so they can actually have a means of making money. And so we're we're doing this. We're sending it over. And, and foot molds and some right, prosthetic supplies. And right. And so you know. there's 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 all these things. And so we're sitting there. We're praying. And there's this part of it where you go, why isn't God just giving us favor and letting this go through? And, it's for and, widows. Right. And so you're going, God, why aren't you doing this? And at the aren't end. You, that's what are the widows, God? <laughs> and at the end, I mean, one of the things that God just really said, I mean, I remember just like God's going, do you understand the cost of sin? Do you understand? Do you understand that what's going on in Nigeria isn't like some far off thing that it's this is there because they've said we we we're not going to stop bribes and do you understand that america is going to be there do you understand that your life is going i mean it's like god's saying <laughs> i'm showing you the cost of sin 
And there's this part of it where if whenever you pay the bribe, you're hiding the cost of sin. In fact, you're increasing the cost of sin. What you're saying is, I'm going to just add to it. I'm going to let this continue to build. And so the only way that it ever stops is when people go, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to cause it. I'm not going to allow it to happen. And so just like the truckers in Nigeria, that they just stop at every stop, they give them, you know, 50,000 naira or whatever it is, you know, which is like 80 bucks or, yeah, they probably don't give that much, but they give some number like that at every stop as they drive. And it's just embedded in the cost of shipping goods. You go to a port and there's probably, you know, we got it released from the port, but then we weren't willing to bribe the person who was going to take it from point A to point B in the port. So then that took two weeks. Then you can't get it from point B to point C in the port because they won't. And so all these people, and and it's like friction in the business, which makes everything more expensive, everything more difficult. And it's really why the nation's poor. I mean, the nation has oil. They are a wealthy nation, but they're completely impoverished because they waste it all. They waste it all because the inefficiency of bribery just wastes everything. And they all, you know, every time you stop people because that truck that should be able to drive that in 10 hours, it gets stopped 50 times. It's not going to take 10 hours to drive it. And everything takes longer. Basically, you're saying that they have supply chain issues, but their supply chain issues are that at every point along the way, at any time where something might change hands or might go into a different jurisdiction, there's a cost in time. There's a cost in labor of public servants who are doing things they don't have to be doing. They're not actually stopping crime. And there's the real cost in money. Right. You could reduce the number of police officers by a factor of 10 if you got rid of the bribes. And it's not just that. It's you go to get electric cooked up. They expect a bribe. You go. To, I mean, it's like everywhere, everything, anybody that has any constraint, any authority whatsoever, they expect to get paid for it. You know, the, it used to be, I haven't checked the numbers recently, but a few years ago, the pre, the head of the police in Nigeria made $1,400 a month. And you go, well, you know, the average person in Nigeria, that's that's way higher than the average person in Nigeria, but they have 800,000 people report to them. They're not making $1,400 a month. The whole system is set up so they'll get huge amounts of bribes. And so they, the government only pays them $1,400 because get there's bribes, tips. all these other things, that all these other directions. And every one of that means that there's a perversion of judgment. Every one of that means that there's lies, right, because it perverts the words of the righteous, not just the words of thieves, not just the words of those who aren't trying to do the right thing. It perverts the words of the righteous. And so you end up that you can't trust anybody. Everybody's lying to you. Every And and you look and you go, well, bribes don't cause that. And the answer is, actually, they do. That's how serious they are. They do cause that. I mean, and this is at the beginning of the episode, the question that we asked was, how does bribes cause poverty? And, and there's this part of it where if you can understand what we're saying about that, you can look at the United States and you can look at Nigeria. Like I said, in the United States, when I give somebody, a, you know, when I pay FedEx to take a package, I don't think along the way – that the people along the way are going to, like, stop doing their job until I give them more money. Right. But in Nigeria, that like you're saying, and so there's this part of it where literally the attitude changes to the point of where it's like it's, every sing- it's at every single point. It's just it's an increase of magnitude. And when it increases in that magnitude, it destroys everything. And when one person says, well, he did it, then they go, I should do it too. Right. 
I, I know of a police officer in Abuja where he's like, yeah, we have a group of, of like 10 of us that we're kind of the special squad because all of us refuse to take bribes. So we're, they send us on special missions and stuff because, yeah, we're all Christians. You we all refuse to take bribes. Actual police work. Yeah, actual police work. Like, you know, if, if a governor needs to be guarded or something, they send this group to guard them because <laughs> they don't take bribes. <laughs> Otherwise, the governor might be assassinated. And think about it just – through every, it that it affects and permeates through everything. You know, one of the things that I was thinking of today is just how, how bribery is this picture of cancer is that you think, oh, I just have this little spot on my arm. And then all of a sudden your whole skin is covered with cancer and it grew and it spread. I mean, that's, you know, leaven, cancer. I mean, these this is what bribery is like. And it's incredibly damaging. And it doesn't look that damaging. You know, hey, it was easier for me today. I, I didn't want to be home late. I didn't want to argue with the police officer for an hour, so I gave him a buck. I gave him a bottle of water, right? A lot of times they'd go, just give me a pen. That's enough. Because they just want a bribe. They don't even care that much what the size of bribe is because they know once they get in the door, they can keep leveraging it and increasing it. So they're like, just give me that water or give me that, you know, just give me something, anything. And, you know, and you go, do I want to argue with them for half an hour? Or do I just give them the bottle of water? And it's easy to think it's cheap to give them the bottle of water, but that bottle of water, no, that creates these downstream effects because the leaven grows until it kills the body. I mean, I remember you, so you mentioned earlier about how the, there was the bottle of, uh, of hand sanitizer. Right. And after we realized that, there was a part of it where there were times where I think, I remember somebody telling a story about how we were taking Bibles in and someone wanted a Bible. And we actually had to be careful because, like you said, once he took the hand sanitizer, he didn't do his job. And there was a part, I mean, because we called him, we, we referred to him as Bribles, because there's a part where we had to not give, we had to not give them a Bible until after they had done their job. Right. Because there was a part of it where if we gave them the Bible, we would actually be perverting their judgment. And we didn't think that they were actually wanted the Bible to read the Bible. We right. think they wanted the Bible to go resell it. And right. And, they, and so there was a part where they, you know, in the sense of if you give them the Bible, they're going, oh, you're playing the trans, you know, and you had to be, no, I'm not willing to bribe you. And afterwards, you could come back and give them a Bible because it was clear that it was no longer a bribe. There was no longer anything that you could be gaining for what you had done. And, that, you know, and so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible the level of which where you don't think something would be a perversion of judgment. Someone else goes, oh, it absolutely is. One of the things that bribes do is they cause you to not fulfill your duty. And I think it's worthwhile considering that Satan basically tries to bribe Christ. In Luke 4, 5 through 8, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you in their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And Satan's basically going, You can get the end. You can be the king. You can receive everything. And you don't, you don't need to, you know, you don't, you, you, you don't, don't need to, to go to the cross. You don't need to be separated from the Father. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And so Satan is basically going, I'll cut out everything if you'll just do this. And I think a lot of times when we read that, we don't recognize that this is what he's doing. I mean, he's trying to pervert justice. He's trying to pervert what God has said is just. 
and say there's a shortcut. Because when you contrast that moment with the Garden of Gethsemane, right, right, I mean, where Christ is praying great drops of blood, and he's praying, you know, and he's praying, and he's saying, if it, you know, if this cup can pass from me, do you understand? I mean, would you have taken the bribe? You know what I mean? I mean, like, right. what what would you have done to not have to do that? And he's saying, I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to endure. Right. And so we just need to recognize that, that you know, it is about perverting judgment. And it's, like, serious. And it has real effects. And it's endemic in the world because of Satan and because of sin. And we shouldn't just go, oh, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. And I think people are pretty dismissive of it because we don't know how to count the cost because we haven't seen the cost the way we should see the cost. But it, but when you tell that story that way, just imagine what imagine how everything would be different if Jesus took that bribe. Right. If Jesus took that bribe, nobody gets heaven. Right. Nobody ever. Everything's different. Right. And you know, we've been talking a lot about the civil magistrate and bribes in there. We should recognize. I mean, the Reformation, the coming of the Reformation, was basically about bribes, right? I mean, we call them indulgences, but when Luther hears about the indulgences coming that, you know, you do this and you'll get, you know, just pay me this money and you'll get freed from purgatory for this many months, this many years. I mean, that's a request for bribes. And that's what, so the Reformation kind of at breaking out, the Reformation breaking out was about stopping bribes in the church. The crassness of it is sort of what tipped the scales in some ways. You know what I mean? There was a point where right, it because became, it kept getting worse and worse to the point that it got to be so terrible. Right. I mean, because I mean, there was a point where, like, you know, Tetzel is held up as you know, I mean, Tetzel is kind of the poster boy of the ridiculous indulgences when the coin, you know, makes the you know when the coin makes the sound in the bottom, the soul from purgatory flies. When the coin in the coffer rings, rings. Does it ring? Right. Go ahead. And the soul from purgatory springs. <laughs> That's what you were going I can, for. I can remember the actual rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> at least the English translation of it. There was this part of it where people people looked at it and said, this is so transactional. And this is one of the things that bribes do, is bribes make everything materialistic. Is they make they make it so there's – and this is what effectively – Even I mean, in spiritual matters. Right. And so this this is kind of what broke it. There's a part of it where, you know, we would say in America we have a sense of, you know, I will do what I said I will do. That You know, that I, there's a sense of honor in that. And, and bribes destroy that. In the end, bribes go, I will do whatever you pay me to do, and I will take every opportunity I can to force you to pay me more at every point along the way. And so there's, this, and when you see it get to the point of going, this is what God is, because that, that's what the Catholic Church was arguing, is that's all God is, is God's just another coffer. He's just another thing that you can throw coins into. Hell, isn't, hell is just a transaction. And so there's a point where that became... Too far. But it, all of a sudden, people went, you're trying to actually lure us too in. With small reli- for, too far for a small group of people. Or right. Relatively small, right? Because the Roman Catholic Church still has indulgences. I mean, it hasn't changed. I mean, you know, I, I know of somebody that wanted, they were getting married, and they're, they're, the man that they were marrying, he had been divorced, and they're like, oh, yeah, we can wipe that out. We can make his children illegitimate. That's not a problem. It just costs $40,000. You can do it. No, make his children illegitimate. Oh, oh. Because they were going to annul his marriage, which meant his children would be illegitimate. Got it. So, yeah, that's in $40,000, and we can arrange that for you. No problem. So the Roman Catholic Church still does indulgences. They still believe in bribery. And let's understand that's the basis of it, right? You say five Hail Marys and your sins are forgiven. Well, that's 
basically a bribe. It's still a transaction, right? It's still a transaction. It's still, I, you know, I can get a spiritual benefit by some, you know, words that I say or some actions that I do or some work that I do. And so bribery are very much a picture of a false gospel, that you can pervert justice through your works. And that's the false gospel, right? The true gospel is by faith alone, and the false gospel is you can pervert justice through your works. All you have to do is bow down to Mary. Right. And you have power over your sins. That's all. Yep. And we shouldn't think that it's just like the Roman Catholic Church either. Because how many churches were thrilled at George W. Bush, Thousand Points of Light? And the whole idea of the Thousand Points of Light is before you had to be a secular agency in order to receive money to help the poor, money to do this or money to do that. Now the government will pay, give money to churches so that you can do the work that you should be doing biblically. Anyway, that's not what George W. Bush said. But understand, he was saying that the government should bribe the church. And the church wasn't going, this is evil. The church went, this is wonderful. Look, we get money. They, it used to be all these other organizations got money and we don't get any money. Right. The church wants bribes. And when the church starts to say, bribes are great, bribes are wonderful, then we should expect the society to just continue to embrace bribery at every level. God owns the cattle on a thousand hill, but the federal government is his broker. <laughs> I mean, in that, I mean, in the end, I mean, that's effectively what the church did. Right. They went running to the. They went running to. He the won't government. give us his cattle, so we have to get it from man. That's basically what the church said. Yeah. And that's bribery, and it was very clearly bribery, and even the things that you had to do to qualify for a church as a church for these things, you had to not say certain things. I mean, it was like pure bribery. You, you can't make it pure. You know, it, it's like we'll pay you this and we will pervert your words because if we pay you this, you can't say this anymore. And churches went, great, great, we'll take the bribe, we'll take the bribe. And it's really, I mean, it's we're talking about different groups that do this. I mean, the church and in the home, it's really easy for parents to create an environment that encourages our children to kind of, I mean, that encourages our children to do certain actions that causes us to pervert justice. That causes us to think, you know, there are children who are good at playing up to us in certain ways or even doing things that we want them to do that causes us to overlook sins that they're doing. And so, I mean, there are just it's really easy to cause to to create an environment where you teach your children that by your work, by your efforts that have nothing, you know, that have nothing to do with the thing you're being should be punished for, that you can avoid judgment, that you can avoid being dealt with in a way that should be just. And you can teach your children that. And there are families that, as children get older, they look back and they go, in my household, it was really easy to to not get in trouble if you knew how to play the game. We've been talking a lot about the, the moral consequences of bribery. We've been talking about it a lot in, but in just that kind of a box. But there's also some just some I, I don't want to say immoral or amoral, but there's some some purely economic reasons why bribery is bad for society, why it's bad for free market capitalism. It's just a there there are costs associated with bribery that just make the use of money inefficient in purely economic terms. 
Even and, and which, which Christ says, if you're not faithful with the unrighteous mammon, you won't be faithful with the righteous mammon. <laughs> right. right? And, and so, I, I mean, there's a part of it where it's not like they're unrelated, and, but you're saying— and, and if you want to talk to me on a different day, I'm going to say, oh, all of economics is moral. All right. of economics is sure. about morality. So, But if you want to just talk about spending money, bribery is a really bad use of money. And it's important to recognize, right, capitalism is basically the means that God has used that— economic structure to lift the world out of poverty and the world is out of poverty compared to a hundred years ago it's like unbelievably different you look even over the last 30 years and the introduction of certain capitalistic principles in china has caused there to be fewer people starving now than ever in the world by far it's like not even close and that's all the effect of capitalism and the problem is when you start to accept bribes it reduces the efficiency of capital. Because say I pay you. I do pay you, actually. I pay you to do things. And instead, you're also looking at somebody, you know, you have two potential customers, and you accept a bribe from one of them. All of a sudden, even though I'm paying you and I'm expending capital, and I put the capital in to start the company, to control the company and everything, your incentives now are not to make me more successful where the capital is being employed, but to appeal to the person who's going to give you a b- bigger bribe, right. who's going to give you more money. So all of a sudden, the effect of my capital greatly diminishes. So the ability to actually build wealth, because it's separating the incentive of the employee from the employer and making the incentive towards somebody else. Now, this works if you're a waiter, because there, the incentive on the back is to, like, put the food out and stuff and they're supposed to do it and the waiter's sole duty is to make sure you get your food on time and so you can do that but that's a lot different than how most businesses are structured and how most things are done in this country because who cares if that waiter's incentive isn't to you know isn't lined up with the restaurant's incentive but the person who's making food that really matters because otherwise they'll make more food, they'll make less food, they'll they'll waste the resources and waste the capital and cause the business to suffer. And so as soon as the person's incentives are to look for the bribe from outside, rather than being a servant of the person that hired him, you've destroyed the effect of capital. And then if you're paying your tip after the service, the incentive is the same as the restaurants, which is to provide good service for the customer. For all customers, because you don't know whether they're going to, because you need to, you're wanting to earn the tip. Right. And so it has a lot less effect then. But we should just recognize, and with COVID, there has been this widespread acceptance that you should tip for all kinds of things where historically you haven't tipped for. And this is actually a pretty dangerous thing in the effect that it will have on our society. Because to remove those incentives, to separate the incentives from the capital, makes capitalism not really work. I mean, early on, you kind of gave the example of putting the, you know, giving the gift to the to the mailman. And there's this part of it where, in one sense, I mean, I remember there were times where I was thinking about it, but you have to think long-term with certain things. If I do it this year, am I going to do it next year? If right. I do it, you know, and there's this part of it where it's not, you're not committing to it, but you're also, but in his perspective, why did you give me the gift last year? 
what happened? Did I do something? Did I make you angry? Did I f- and there is this there is this sort of there's a relational sort How of thing. How dare you treat me like that? Right. right? And I so, mean it can easily go that direction. Right. And so now you're like now I've offended my mailman because I gave him a gift one year and then I didn't give him a gift another year. So I'll just leave the, the the door open on the box so that your package gets all wet. And so when you're talking about regulars there, I mean that starts to be a real issue. Is there was that one day you gave me a ten dollar tip. And now you haven't given me a ten dollar tip, and today I gave you twice as good services. I, you know, I smiled at you, and I talked to you. What, what do you want? What do you, you know? What I mean, and it, it can just, in the end, like you said, it perverts the nature of it because before all they expected you to do was what your boss told you to do, which is what, which was to make the the service well, and that was it. And I mean, there's a lot of other countries where like tipping would be considered, you know. I remember I was in Ecuador and I was going to leave a regular tip, and the guy I was with that was from Ecuador was like, "You can't do that. That would like." Offend that them. would like no. That oh. would be like such a huge amount of money. This oh. would like <laughs> this will completely pervert the establishment if you give them a eighteen percent tip or whatever I would have given in America. The, you can't do that. That's just like so much money for them. That would be like that would just pervert all their judgment. That would pervert their behavior, and you just can't do that. And we don't recognize a lot of times what it is. And you go to other countries, and there's a lot of countries where tipping is really not, you know. Accepted. Most or, of Europe, if you yeah. tip more than one or two euros, that's yeah, considered it's, rounding up is considered normal. You know, it's it's you know, seventeen yeah. fifty euros, and you go, ah, I'll pay eighteen. That would be considered normal, right? But which, but to be clear, it doesn't mean you shouldn't tip in the U.S. because we do no. have a system where the people, the waiters, are making the living based on tips and not based on right. a salary. So you can't just not do that. You know, if they have bad service, then sure. But you know, you are effectively taking their service without paying them for it. Right. right. And so waiters and things like that, but like fast food workers and stuff don't fall into that category. So, um, but, but yeah, so we have a system and the system is being changed and we should just recognize there's real ends to that change in system that are not towards good things. They're, they're, they end in bad things and they end with everybody having their hand out. And every time somebody puts their hand out, it slows down business. It slows down economy. It makes everybody less productive. And it really does affect things. And it can get bad really quick. And I don't think most Americans, because we haven't grown up in a society where it had that level of bribery that was just like endemic that everybody expects a bribe, we don't realize how damaging it can be and how much, how quickly it can impoverish a nation. I mean, I think we're, you know, we've talked about maybe doing an episode on, on minimum wage and living wage. And we, we did mention that you should tip. We should tip waiters. But, I mean, one of the things that has changed, you know, you're talking about the percentage that you should tip waiters. is like the cost of food versus the cost of living hasn't stayed in – was not staying in lockstep for a period of time. And so when you were looking at, like, 20% tip or should you do 30% tip, I mean, there was a part of it. I mean, well, and it, but, I mean, and it depends on the establishment that you're at because there are certain places where you could – until a couple years ago when, I mean, now, like, French fries are $5 at some places, some McDonald's um, – but, I mean, there were places where you could – you know, I can go to certain Mexican restaurants and I can order a meal for $8. And the, the amount of time that I tie up the individual there is – you know, I mean, so if I pay 10% on that or 15% on that, that's not that much money. So, I mean, a lot of times there I will tip closer to 30% if I'm just – if a single person coming in and I, I'm going to buy something that's really small because the cost of living is much higher than that. And so there is this part of it where, I mean, like you said, with wait staff it is a very different role they have than all of a sudden just actual service staff who get a full salary where they are expecting to be paid by their employer. 
They have negotiated with their employer for their salary, and they are not expecting tips to be part of their salary. That has changed dramatically. We're now a huge number of people who were never tipped before have started getting tipped. And those are just very, very different things. And it's just, and again, there's a, there's a loss of thought that we've put into things that allow us to actually evaluate things in an objective way. And it also means that there, you remove the merit system because the reality is tips don't track quality of service. There's been plenty of studies that show they do not track quality of service. So you're not incenting, let's be serious, the pretty girl gets bigger tips than the ugly 60-year-old. Guaranteed. Right. And so all of a sudden, you're incentivizing different things with tips. You're not incentivizing productivity. And you know, it's become a big problem in America anyway, and it's increasing that there's, there's a lot of focus on other things other than being productive. And prosperity comes from productivity, not from working. From pro- being productive is what produces prosperity. Right. It's not expenditure of energy. That, that's- right. And so if you're chasing around bribes all the time, yeah, you're busy. You're working. You're working really hard to get your bribes, but you're not being productive. You're not producing right. anything. Instead, you're, like you were saying, Zingak's been in Abuja for three months, roughly. I mean, he's in and out. But in that made him incredibly unproductive, but it wasn't that he wasn't doing stuff and he wasn't busy, but he was completely unproductive. And that's the cost of bribery is it makes product lack of productivity look productive. And that's the misassign, misalignment of incentives so that you're doing things that are very damaging where you don't see them as damaging. And I think, I think Americans are blind to it and they don't realize how destructive it is and how impoverishing it is. So as we talk about bribery, it's easy for us not to think of it as being that serious or that it really destroys culture. But it's interesting that when David's saying, who will ascend the hill of the Lord, it's one of the things that he talks about in Psalm 15, the Psalm of David, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. We need to see the seriousness of bribes because God says the people that ascend the hill of the Lord, they don't take bribes. The church needs to recognize that, see that, speak about that, because we're headed the other direction as a nation, and the church is the one that's supposed to shine forth light to stop us. Thanks for joining us. This has been The Conquering Truth, a project of Reformation Baptist Church. If you found this helpful, you can visit us online at theconqueringtruth.com and subscribe here or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for watching. 